You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, you know how sometimes when you're talking to someone, you just stop a mid-sentence and say, wait, what's your point? Where are we going with this? Yeah, what's yeah. this all about? Well, today the writer of Hebrews is going to do that very thing. Pertaining to Jesus, Pertaining our high priest. Jesus. He's going to say he's better, better, better in every way. Today, today on, on More Than, than Ink. Well, good morning and welcome to our dining room table. I'm Dorothy. And I'm Jim, and we really are sitting at our dining room table. It's what we do. Yes, yes, right. We're, <laughs> we're in, glad you're we're with us. We're not lying to you. We're so glad you're here <laughs> as we as we open this text in Hebrews and exercise our minds. Yes. Oh, this is this is thinking. You know, that's fitting. We're at a dining room table because he says we're gonna we're gonna eat solid food. Now. That's right. So we're eating solid food okay, at our then. dining room table. Yeah. In Excellent. The, in the middle of Hebrews, uh, thought provoking new ideas about who this Jesus might be to the Jewish mind and also to us right. too. So right. what's his context? And, and we've promises. been told he's a better priest. He brings priest. in a better hope. He mediates a better covenant. Oh, that's a lot of big ideas. And you know, he hasn't said what the better means yet. No, he hasn't. But that is coming. It's coming. What do you mean better? <laughs> yeah, it's coming. So uh, so we left off last time talking about Jesus as, as our as our better high priest. Mm, yeah, and just by way of review, he had already told us he's like us and has tempted, has been tempted in all things like we are, but he's different because he is without sin. Yeah, he's without sin. I told us at the beginning of the book, he is the exact representation of our unseen God, right? He's the radiance, the outshining of his glory. He's better than any human priest, even a priest who serves according to the Mosaic law. So that's kind of where we're at in the argument. And we're going to pick up today at the beginning or at the end of chapter seven of Hebrews and then move into the beginning of chapter eight. Yeah. Yeah. So he's going to, he's going to close off, not close off. He's going to bring to a little bit of a point why he's talking about Jesus as our high priest and why he's a superior high priest. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the way, he already told us this. Uh, this particular high priest in Jesus is someone who allows us to go to walk through the curtain, through the right. veil, into the presence of God, which the old man high priest could not could do. Could not do. Yeah, he's gone in and anchored away yeah. inside the veil for us. Yeah. So with that start, should we jump into oh, verse 26 yeah, of chapter 7? Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Okay. Okay. Verse 26 of chapter 7. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. You know, he has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, for first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but... The word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son, a son, who has been made perfect forever. Oh, stop. we got to stop there. There's that word perfect Perfect again. again. Nothing more is needed. His, Sufficient. His 
priesthood, his sonship is absolutely complete and sufficient. Yeah. So don't don't misread that last that last verse of chapter seven that Jesus was sinful at one time and then he was made sinless. That's not what that's that means. That's not what it means. It just means that he fills a role that's the perfect completion of God's plan for us. That's what it's really talking about there. So yeah, he's he's much superior. And you know, if you could look back in Leviticus when God tells uh, the, the the priest back then what they need to do that we know when they're going to offer sacrifices for the people they got to offer a sacrifice for, for themselves, themselves first because they're sinful themselves right. so that's a problem here he makes this really great superior point Jesus never had to make a sacrifice for himself because he was sinless indeed what he did was offer up himself yes for us as well, the sacrifice that sets him apart yeah. from those human priests <laughs> those human he priests never were sacrificed himself yeah to us and for us so here's the better priest here's the here's the superior actions there's similarities between the high priest then and who jesus is but jesus is clearly heads above i mean he's just he's just totally different than but them. this is the first time the writer says it and he's going to say it again in the next few chapters he did it once for all once for all once for all. it is complete done been there done that over and finished yeah yeah we do not need to offer sacrifices so, anymore so once for all that his sacrifice is made and it affects the atonement for our past sins our present sins and what's going to future what happen we will do yeah mm-hmm. but for the uh, the priests in the old testament that wasn't the case when you did something wrong you brought an animal and he sacrificed it on your behalf to kind of be a reminder for the sin that happened in your well life. and i think i think sometimes we don't even pay attention to how much and how often the sacrifices were made you can read those things mm-hmm. in leviticus and mm-hmm. in Exodus exodus and in numbers you can read about how often they were sacrificing morning right. and evening and twice as often on the sabbath and twice as many animals twice as many animals yeah. so you know that's that's an astonishing thing the temple the tabernacle in the wilderness and then the temple when it was a building attached to the ground was permanently engaged in the activity of the shedding of blood shedding and of offering blood. of sacrifice what, what a stark picture all the time that we live in sin perpetually. Right, that our sin must be constantly dealt right. with. And that it, it's a, and it's an obstacle. It's in the way of the, the completion of God's perfect mm-hmm. promise to us. Our sin gets in the way. And so, you know, when you talk about the Old Testament temple, you ask, what do they do in the Old Testament temple? Well, they dealt with sin. <laughs> dealt with sin. <laughs> That's what period. it was. Pretty much. Day and night, there you go. It was all about sin. And so why would sin be so important? Well, because the issue is, is that to define the fruition of God's promises to us, that our sin are, is the issue. That keeps us separated from God. And so from God's perspective, where he wants to give the best to Israel, he wants to give the best to us, it's our sin that's the problem. It's totally the problem. And so somehow in whatever covenant God puts together for man, it's got to include a solution to the problem of our own sinfulness. Now, interestingly enough, in the Old Testament, there were, it was always understood that the blood of animals didn't take away your sin. Yeah, exactly. Right? David says it in Psalm 50, uh-huh, if you wanted uh-huh. more blood sacrifice, I would give it. But what right. you really want is my heart. Right. right. God says it in Isaiah 1, who told you to bring all these animals in here and keep this constant <laughs> sacrifice going right so because it had become a ritual and a rote instead yeah. of a real understanding that this animals shed blood represents my life right. before god right and and to an observant jew they would understand the fact that this this wasn't solving the problem right. it was number one a reminder of the a problem reminder of the problem but it was also a hint about the fact that 
maybe something or someone else later is paying that price mm-hmm. because uh, because the writer also says later on that that these sacrifices these sacrifices are a stark wake-up call to the fact that because of your sin something must die right and so that price was just it was sobering and that was that was the 24 7 action in the temple there were no marriages there there were no baptisms there there were not a lot of things that went okay, on okay now people, you're speaking to the culture we well, live in yeah, but there are people maybe listening to this who don't live where we live right <laughs> right the temple the temple was about sin that's the problem and it was constantly covered with blood even even in the inner the holy of holies where god was that was separated by that curtain once a year the high priest went in and you know what he did when he went into Mm. that inner inner sanctum kind of where god's presence is that no one's allowed except the high priest he would go in there and he'd sprinkle blood sprinkle blood so even in that place we're in god's presence there is the visible sign of the cost of paying for our sins Mm -hmm. the blood so um yeah fascinating stuff we digress (laughs) Well, but the idea of substitutionary sacrifice, now that's a big term, term. right? Meaning that the sacrifice that I bring as a substitute for my own life, right? that's what that means. Right. And so that we're going to get into that in the later chapters in a few weeks from here. So, And isn't uh, that core to who Jesus is and what his sacrifice for us, for us? Because he said, I died for you. And the scripture says he became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So and, he was our substitution. And I think for sacrifice. a Jew at the time and even now, that's an easy leap. If you say Jesus died as our as our sacrifice, as our sacrifice. for our sins, they would say, oh, you mean like the sacrifice, something had to die in the Old Testament. Except that it's an utterly appalling idea that a human being exactly would do that. Yeah, right. So, but but they would get the connection. The picture, the picture had been cemented in their minds that something something must die because of that sin. Okay, so let's go back because he said he, and we're really not that far afield because in verse twenty-seven the writer had said oh, yeah. he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Offered up himself. There, there's a different okay, high priest. So there it is. There's a different <laughs> high priest. We need to read on into chapter eight, and I love how this starts. Now the point in what we're saying is this: yeah, it's like, like the writer this. knows. Okay, now do, are you with me? Is your here? head spinning here. Right. Okay, here's the, the point. The point is this: we have such a high priest. Yes. One who one who gives himself. One who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it's necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Mm. Now, if he were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest at all. Since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, they serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ and that term is Messiah, Messiah. the anointed one, God sent one, has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. Better, 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 better. Surpassing better and better. Yeah, okay. And he he will indeed explain more about what he means by better and all that kind of stuff. But if you go back to the beginning of chapter 8, boy, he it's a mouthful oh, in just yes. the first handful of verses. So, for instance, I mean, go back for a second. You got the Jews back in, you know, when they leave Egypt and they're wandering in, right? And they and God says, make a tent for me because I want a tent with you guys out here. And that was called the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. That was just the temporary the movable, movable, movable place, place that symbolically showed the presence of God. He was he was actually living in their camp, in the center of their camp. And they would when they would camp, they would bring their tents all around this one central tent, which was the tabernacle. 
and that was the presence of God. And it served as a portable temple in that sense, because it still, like the temple, had this curtain that separated right. man from the central part where God was. So it was just a portable temple. So everywhere he says tent here, he's talking about that movable that movable right, holy place right mm-hmm. but but god's intention god's visible intention to live in the midst of his people right. that was his desire the problem was he could come in the middle of his people but his people couldn't come into his presence because of their sin it's right. still a problem yeah so when he says that uh he he draw now you take that very concrete action of what they did when they were in the desert and stuff like that and he elevates this now to a connection with like a heavenly equivalent of mm-hmm. the tent. I mean, what is that one saying? is a copy and a shadow of the real one. Right. There is a spiritual reality that is greater and more concrete than the tent or the stone temple. Right. Which is which is why he says, you know, you, you put all this together. It serves as a copy and, uh, you know, gets to verse four and five. He said, it's a copy of the things in heaven. It's a shadow of the things in heaven. Mm-hmm. So there is a, a greater reality. It's a spiritual reality, right. but it's a greater reality that that movable tent where God lives is kind of like the bigger picture of our involvement with God in a heavenly or in a spiritual sense. So uh, so that that's what he's saying. It's In verse two, he says, it's the true tent. It's the true tent that God set up, not man right. set up. So there, this is this is coming down to the concrete promise of finding our rest in the presence of right. God, in the nearness of God. So that's that's bigger than just the tent back in the Arabian desert. This is this is the big tent of heaven where we come to. His presence. Okay, so even before that, he says we have such a high priest who's seated at the right hand of yeah, the what throne of the majesty in heaven. Well, so do you remember in the Gospels when Jesus was on trial before the Jewish authorities and they asked him, so are you the Messiah? Mm-hmm. And he said, and you'll see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty Dope. in heaven. Dope. And they said, Psh, there it is. Here we don't need is. more evidence. Uh, You've uh, heard the uh, blasphemy. Uh, right. right. But... But here the writer of Hebrews is saying, this is the high priest we have who is actually deity himself. Yes. Seated at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Yes. So now we have a high priest, a great high priest, who is tempted in all things as us. He's right. man. Right. But he's also fully God. Right. Now, this is a mind blower for Jewish audience. It's a mind blower for Gentile audiences today. How can God be man at the same time is that possible and come and do what he did and then come and die no for jesus right. to be the outpouring the, the outshining of the glory of god and the exact representation of his nature well the the one god sent messiah gave himself mm-hmm. for the ones he loved is that at the core of the nature of god right that he gives himself for the benefit of those he loves. His love is to sacrifice himself for the benefit of he loves, the ones he loves. Yeah, I know. What a high priest. I know. That's why this is this is just a mind blower, these first four fibers in chapter eight. This this is how superior this high priest is. This is how much better this high priest how much is. Better. And operating in a much more concrete place, which is actually uh, the true tent, the true place when which where you can come into the presence right. the of God. The spiritual reality of entering, right. drawing and, near to God happens through him right. and through his ministry. So, you know, at the end of this little passage here, he says in verse 6, Christ has obtained a ministry that's much more excellent. Much it surpasses, more. the blows it right out of the water. Mm-hmm. 
because he mediates a better covenant, right? A better agreement on how life is done that's enacted on better promises. Better, better, better. Well, what makes it better? Yeah, yeah. And we have to hope before we look forward that it has something to do with the solution to our sins, right. which separates us right. from God. So that's that. Well, that, you know, that is plot spoiler. That is the better, <laughs> but oh. in many respects. Okay. But he says he's a minister of yeah. a better covenant. He's a mediator right. and he has obtained this ministry, this, uh, well, a ministry is an act of service. It's an office devoted for prayer and service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Serving the others, bring benefit to other people. And so that's what his, that's what his role is. He is still serving us. Yeah, he's serving us in all of this. And the point is is to connect us with the promises of God. Right. That's what it's all about. It's connecting us to the promises of God. If you you roll back to the historical account of where they came to the brink of the promised land, you know, remember they Mm -hmm. sent the spies in? Right, right. uh, One guy guy for every tribe. So there's 12 guys that went in. And when they came back out, they said, okay, it is a great land, but there's there's giants 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 there. there, Don't go in, there's giants. So even though God promised this place, we don't think he can take them. I don't know if God's bigger than the giants, but two of the spies, two of the guys from the tribes, uh, Caleb and Joshua said, oh, no, 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 no. God's got this. God's got this. Well, Joshua's an interesting guy because in a way he is another sort of type of Jesus because he was interceding at that point saying, no, God can do this. God can bring us into this place of rest. They didn't believe him. And because they didn't believe they stayed out. But then eventually, when you get out of the book of Exodus, you get into Joshua, and there's Joshua bringing them into the promised land. So Joshua is an interesting type, again, of the role of Jesus, not just as high priest, but as our captain and our forerunner into the place of rest. Well, there's an interesting little bit of trivia about Joshua, and that is that his name means God saves, Yahweh saves. Uh, But in the later form, Yeshua, it's the name that Jesus Yeshua. That, that was Wasn't the name that's he went as, by. A, as a friend of ours used to say, that's Yeshua is the name his mommy called him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, it's the same name. Yeah. God saves. God saves. So look at this. Joshua who brought him into the place of rest and Jesus who brings us into the place of rest. That is not an accidental coincidence. <laughs> this is the plan of God. So that a Jewish mindset would say, hey, I think I'm getting this now. I think I'm getting this. You mean Jesus is kind of like Joshua? You mean Jesus is kind of like a high priest? You mean Jesus is kind of like the sacrifice himself? Jesus is God saving. Saving us from our sins, from our problem that keeps us out of the place of rest. And it keeps us out of the center of the promises of the blessings of God. That's what Jesus does. So the writer of Hebrews says, you know, he reminds us that Moses was told, now, see, you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. Because yeah. there is, this is modeling for us an incredible spiritual reality. Yeah. And we're such uh, elementary students. We needed to have this picture. So they, <laughs> God granted them this model of the temple and the holy of holies into which that high priest enters. So the actual design of the temple uh, yeah. is teaching us something it's teaching about, us something about God. our access to God, our relationship with right. God. Yeah. Yeah. That's there's, in fact, I'll just even assert there's nothing, there's nothing that God does in the old Testament accounts with Israel that isn't teaching something. Yes. So, so these are all quite deliberate. Nothing is just per chance or accidental. These things are trying to tell us about 
Well, the true tent, like he says in verse two, the, the invisible but true tent of our relationship with God and our drawing near to God. These things all have meaning. So if you want to have a fun kind of discussion with others, you look at the design of the of the Old Testament temple, mm. the, the different chambers, what's inside of it. What happens in each place. What happens in each place. Who's allowed in there. All of that is a gigantic teaching device mm-hmm. from God to tell us something about how we can find our access into the nearness of God. Yeah. Wow. And the role of the high priest is key to that, and Jesus is the high priest. It is. So in verse 6, the writer says, As it is, this Christ has obtained a ministry that's much more excellent, surpassing than the old. And the covenant he mediates is better, since it's enacted on better promises. So, you know, that opens the idea of the old covenant and the new covenant. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. for our listeners, I would just encourage you to go back and f- and read in Exodus about that actual setting in place of the old covenant. You can read about the actual ceremony in Exodus 24, the first 10 or 12 verses, when uh, it says Moses offered the sacrifices and then he took the blood and he sprinkled it on the, the written word of God and then he sprinkled it on the people and they said all the lord has spoken we will do yeah so there's the old covenant That's god the old gives covenant. the law and the people agree to keep it which we know that that didn't last more than a couple of weeks <laughs> <laughs> and and you know and, and it's, you can sort of see why because it was really there as a constant reminder of our sin well, well and it was based on their will and power to obey yeah. well what happens yeah. when you don't feel like it right. or when you just can't yeah. Uh, it was based on being your perfect behavior to mirror the character of God. Yeah. Whereas the writer is saying there's there's a new and a better covenant that's based on God's promise, not your promise. Yes, based on what God can accomplish. Exactly. Not what you can accomplish. And what he has accomplished for you. There's a huge in switch. In the shed blood of his son. Yeah, So that we're going to, the writer is going to unpack that for us oh, in the there's next more couple to come of on chapters. That. But I just wanted to get that out there. I would encourage you to go back and read Exodus 24 and because that's going to be important uh-huh, to uh-huh. recognize what happened to the blood what ha- what were they promising to who was making the promises mm-hmm, what was it mm-hmm. based on mm-hmm. uh, that's important to have in mind when we go into to looking at the new covenant because again all the rituals they went through all the stuff that God you know wanted them to do was meant to be a deliberate teaching device right about the nature of their sin about their separation from God about their inability to fully participate in the promises of God because of their own sin that was the constant reminder but it never never solved the problem no. of their sin it just reminded them and the writer here will say this many times it, it was a reminder of sin that's what the law does it's a reminder of sin but it's not a guarantee of a solution to sin well and paul goes even uh, more visible on that when he says in galatians the law is our tutor to tutor. lead yeah. us to christ right the right. law makes you aware that you cannot be good enough you cannot complete perfection yeah and leads you to christ who himself does yeah yeah exactly so the so the law the law is not obsolete and it's not well i won't say obsolete it's not sufficient in terms of god's promises toward us but it's but a first it's good step. it's a the good law first is good step. and righteous yep. and tells us what god expects it's a good first step but it's uh it's a way in which god's telling us in the totality of our 24 7 lives that we are permeated we with short. sin we do we nothing fall but fall short, short. <laughs> And there is no way you're ever coming into the presence of God being that tainted. 
but Jesus, our high priest, accomplishes so it. So what good news is it that we have a high priest who has entered the holy place and anchored the way for us? He's gone in as a forerunner, as we read a couple of chapters ago. Yeah. Then that his ministry never ends. Such good news. This is the good news. There's he a always solution. lives to intercede for us. Yeah. And this covenant in his blood is surpasses the old, blows it completely out of the water. Right. And yet it was the original plan of God pre-Abraham. <laughs> so this is not an afterthought. You right. know, many false religions will say, well, God made this promise, but the people didn't have enough faith, so they screwed up. Well, yeah, like because God's promises were bad, because no. people couldn't achieve. Well, in a real sense, people couldn't achieve because God's saying, look, here's the deal. You cannot be in my presence if you're sinful. That's just the way it works. But I've got a solution to that. And that solution is the high priest Jesus. And after all of this talk about covenant that's coming up in the next Covenants. couple of chapters, the, in the benediction at the end of Hebrews, the writer's going to talk about the the blood of the eternal covenant. The eternal covenant. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. Yep. Yep. And in fact, he'll quote that next week because what he's going to do, he's, you know, he left us this word covenant at the end of this last right. verse today in verse six. And now he is going to launch on covenant Right. that this is the plan. It was the plan from the beginning. This isn't just a fixer upper. This isn't a workaround from God. This is the way it always has been. Covenant is an agreement designed by God in order for us to benefit from his love. So we're going to, we're going to jump in that big time. And he's actually going to quote from from for what a lot of people think is kind of an obscure passage out of Jeremiah, but what he what he quotes from Jeremiah is a mind blower. It is the new the covenant. new covenant. And so when Jesus in the upper room when he was doing the Lord's Supper, he's up there. He says, "This blood is the new co- is the new covenant in my blood. Um, this this I pour this out for you." He's saying something huge. Something huge. He's not. Just, he's dropping a bomb when he says that because they would think the Jeremiah passage. They would think new and old covenant. It, it's huge. And so Jesus is, is serving notice to them that he is the key. He is the key to access to the nearness of God. And it's in his blood that this new covenant is founded. So you can go back right now. You don't have to wait for us for next week. Go back to Jeremiah 31. Start in verse about 31. Yeah, it's a great read chapter. through about 34. And just, well, you don't have to read the whole chapter. Just yeah. read that central part of verses 31, 31 to 34. 30 something. Uh, yeah. And read about the new covenant yep the new covenant because the writer of hebrews is going to jump in up to his eyeballs next week we're we're going to run we're going to run with that for a long time oh i'm excited i love this passage so as much (laughs) as much as he introduced the idea of melchizedek and the connection to jesus as our high priest now he's gonna he's gonna say now let me show you how this works in the new plan in the new covenant covenant that's mediated by this high priest you're gonna want to hear this so come back with us next week i'm jim and i'm dorothy and we're glad you're with us here on more than ink Than Inc. is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. Let's start over. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> blah, 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 blah